Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are back this week with a sequel. Well, prequel. Prequel. It's a prequel. It's a piece of shit, that's what it is. It is, yes. So, this week we are coming to you with Cruel Intentions 2, Manchester Prep. Yes. So, anyone unfamiliar with the original film it was a teen it was a teen film back in the late 90s starring sarah Jessica uh, sarah sarah jessica parker me <laughs> getting my slave queens mixed up uh sarah michelle geller ryan felipe and reese with a spoon with uh support from selma blair and it was essentially the story of two step siblings who Hated the world and used sex to get what they wanted, essentially, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, very rich, self-involved people. Uh, I thought it was the height of cool when I watched it when I was young. It was the first DVD I ever bought. Um, yeah, I wanted to be all the characters and we rewatched it within the last week and it's highly problematic. Um it's quite offensive. <laughs> yeah. But as, as is this film. <laughs> yeah, still not as as offensive and problematic, uh, yeah, problematic as this film. Yeah. Now, both were directed by Roger Cumble, who uh, directed the Ryan Reynolds comedy Just Friends, which is another problematic film. It involves Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit at one point. Mm. Um, a whole section making jokes at being gay. Isn't Anna Faris like? Anna Faris is a crazy stalker. Yeah, yeah, just as offensive to women as this film is. Um, He also made Furry Vengeance, the masterpiece with uh, Brendan Fraser playing a state agent who's being (laughs) uh, protested at by animals. And he made The Sweetest Thing where Cameron Diaz and Christina Applegate and I think Samuel Blair again, if I remember correctly, sing a song about a penis. Yeah. Uh, this guy does not know how to write a fucking film no. about being offensive. Like, I don't think he's made a full-length feature film in a while. I think For Avengers might have actually been his last one. Uh, that's probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This Crawl Attention 2 was released in 2000, and we don't know the budget. No. Can't seem to find it online. Well, it's a difficult one. Um, because it didn't start off as a film, did it? No, no. So, uh, yeah, this was originally a TV series based on the original Crawl Attention's film, and it was going to be called Manchester Prep, hence the subtitle in the film's title. Um, The trailer includes scenes from that TV show that didn't appear in the film, and uh, Sean Patrick Thomas, who appeared in the original film, he returned to play a different character, but all of his scenes were actually cut out. Yeah, as was, if you look in the trailer as well, um, oh, I believe her name was Rachel Blanchard. Um, if anybody watched Saved by the Bell, the new class, when they were younger, as I did, you may recognise her. I can't remember her character's name in the show. Uh, but she she was quite prominent in the trailer, and she was completely cut out of the film. Um, essentially what happened is uh, it was going to be aired on the Fox network, and Rupert Murdoch saw clips of it and how uh, overly 
sexual it was, essentially, and said, uh, no, this is not going to be screened on Fox. And so Ro- Roger Cumble, mm-hmm. uh, he decided to release it as a film. So cutting together parts of the TV series and filming new scenes, uh, particularly more overtly sexual scenes, and in a really fucked up way, um, as we'll get on to when we discuss the film, uh, just sort of sliced it all together, willy yeah. nilly, and, and tried to make a film. Overdubbed the names and the characters. Yeah, yeah, it was confusing, because I, I don't... I don't think the TV series was meant to be a prequel to the first film. I think it was meant to be a similar story. And it is, it's pretty much the same story, isn't yeah. it? Um, but a similar story to the original film, but as a TV series set at the school, uh, Manchester Prep. Because I don't think that was the name of the school in the first film. No, I, I don't think it was called it. Manchester Prep in the first film. So it was just meant to be a similar storyline spread out over a TV series set in a school. And then when they made it into a film, they overdubbed the names and made them Sebastian and Catherine. Um, but that completely goes against a lot of the continuity. Yeah, this film contradicts the first film so it much. It really does. Like... In this film, we we see at the end that uh, that Sebastian gets to have a threesome with Catherine, and uh, but in the first film he says that he's always wanted to sleep with her. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make any sense then. The whole bet in the first film was yeah. the fact that Catherine was the only conquest Sebastian had never had. Yeah. And then the end of this film, spoiler alert, uh, essentially goes against that. Yeah. Also, the whole idea of the first film and shagging the uh, principal's daughter before school starts. Well, that's the whole premise of this film as well. Yeah. It, it was almost like this was trying to remake that uh, the first film. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's, it's pretty much a remake, really, yeah. Yeah, just... Yeah, shoddily put together. Yeah. Last bit of trivia uh, is on the DVD, there's talent files like they used to have back in the day when DVDs first came out. Uh, and it's for the four main actors and Kerry Lynn, who plays Sherry in the film, uh, she is actually listed as playing Cecile, <laughs> who is uh, a character from the first film played by Sam Blair. <laughs> Which is essentially, it's the same character Pretty that she's much. playing. It, it, Kerry Lynn Pratt, her name is. Yeah. Yeah, so she's essentially playing the the... the the same character. It's all based on a uh, 18th century French novel. Um, now, I'm not going to try and pronounce it in French, but it's Dangerous Liaisons. Mm-hmm. So you had the film in 1988, starring Glenn Close and John Malkovich, which was set within the French aristocracy. Um, so that was very that was a popular film you know it was nominated for oscars and such and then you had um a film called valmont uh by milos foreman um around the same time actually uh which which happens sometimes with films isn't it you have similar films or films from the same source being released at the same time and um so we'd seen this story before 
uh, Cruel Intentions made it more modern and set it within, you know, um, teenage love lives. And this still has that, um, even though this isn't actually, well, the first one, even though it isn't a horror film, it's still got that post scream feeling about it, that very 90s. You know what I mean? The very nice yeah. teen film. But if, if it, I mean, a lot of t- teen films around that time were sort of very sexual. Yeah. They were. They were highly, you know. Um, you watch a film like American Pie, that the whole film is yeah. based around sex. That's true. For And aimed at a teenage audience. But the weird thing about this film is... Um, the the first film was very much a romantic drama, maybe borderline thriller points, but this, this is almost a comedy. There yeah. are so many comedic elements in this film that it's like it's played out to be a straight up comedy. Yeah. And it does not suit the tone of what it's going for at all. No. Especially no. with how wrong it does it. Yeah. So, yeah, we haven't got much trivia about the film, so we're going to get into it. The plot is set several years before the first film... When Catherine first meets Sebastian, their sexual attraction to each other and their enjoyment in destroying the lives of their peers. Well, that's not even true for Sebastian in this film. No, it's not, no. That actually happens... Well, they didn't destroy anyone's life, but they, you know, they get sexually attracted to each other within the last, like, ten minutes. Yeah, I I feel like there's a little flirtation throughout the film, but nothing... Mostly, I just think it's a rivalry, and they just... Yeah. But they seem to... (laughs) They seem to sort of say, well, if you want a war, you'll get a war. If you want this, I'm going to get you and all that. And it, it never really happens. No. It's all just sort of like empty threats. Uh, I'm assuming the the actual consequences of all these threats would have happened within the TV series. But all that was cut into an hour and a half film. Yeah. Well, the film starts with Sebastian thinking he's such a dope. Yes, yes, yeah, so, yeah, I'm such a dope. Um, He's talking with the head teacher of his uh, of his school. Yeah, yeah, um, so he's gotten into trouble yet again. Um, he gave the school hamster an overdose of Viagra. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's moving to a new school. He's talking to the principal. Essentially, the principal's taken a bribe. Yeah. And that's what I, I felt he took a bribe. So Sebastian's paid him for a good um, file because he's sending the file over to the new school. Um, and Sebastian's bright, but he's wasting it by acting an arsehole, basically. Yeah, he, he compliments the head teacher's wife. Yes, yes. So similar to the first film um, opening sequence. And this is pretty much a rehash of that, yeah. isn't it? yeah. Um, he sees a photo of the principal's wife on the desk and says how lovely she's looking and how much weight she's lost. And it, it's creepy and the, the principal's a little creeped out by it. Um, so Sebastian goes on his merry way. He's got his new file now that he's bribed the principal. And the principal takes a phone call. Yeah, and the first thing you hear is, what the fuck have you fucking done to me, you asshole? <laughs> and it's his wife on the phone. And uh, she tells him to check out the yearbook. And there's a photo of her in the yearbook without any clothes on. Yeah. So in the first film, it's Sebastian's therapist's daughter. And it's a naked photo of her on the internet. 
Uh, whereas this time it's the principal's wife naked in the yearbook. And we're led to believe that Sebastian did this. The principal believes that Sebastian did this. Yeah. And is responsible. Even though this is the only time we see him do something like this. Well, yeah, really. Um, he, he's meant to be a reformed character throughout the film. So yeah. it's a little jarring to have this scene at the beginning. Like, I, I don't know where this has come from. Also, who got the naked photo of her? Did Sebastian take it? That's what I couldn't figure then out. why is she fuming? She's but, the one having an yeah, affair. She, yeah, and she... It was like she's had it taken on this chair. Like, she's fucking... Like, she's the Backstreet Boys about to do a dance on her chair. Like, she's got the chair backwards and she's sitting on it. It's like... Who took that photo? She's got books covering her bits. She's oh, am I thinking of the first You're film? thinking of the first Oh, okay. Film. The opening scenes are that similar. It's so yeah. different to so, yeah, so the principal's fuming at the window. Sebastian gets in a taxi. He's going to start his new life in New yes. York with his dad. We'll get our title card. and then uh... Yeah, get our title card. He's going through New York in the back of a taxi. His head's hanging out the window like a dog. Yeah. Um, and we get a, a, a real late 90s, early 2000s rock song. Yeah, the soundtrack in this film. The soundtrack in this... The the first film soundtrack is fantastic. Yeah. You know, so many great songs. And then this is kind of like The Leftovers. This is like all the stuff you haven't heard of, but it sounds like you should have heard of it. This is kind of like real generic music, isn't it? Yeah. I think we've probably said it on here before. It's it's Poundland music. It's the music you hear in Poundland, (laughs) the royalty-free music they don't have to pay for. So Sebastian rocks up at the building where... um, I, I think it's the same building from the first film. Might be. Oh, I don't know. I don't fucking know. They've sort of, sort of merged into one. Um, I, I was a bit disappointed rewatching the original Cruel Intentions because I remember loving it when I was younger. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was the, the best thing. I still think it's a really good film. It's just very problematic. It is. It's extremely problematic and it, it, it disappointed me because it was... There were scenes in that film where I, I was really creeped out. Yeah. Um, and it took away from my enjoyment. So uh, I enjoy the film a lot less now. I enjoy it way more than this fucking film. But, uh, <laughs> so they pull up at the building. Uh, Sebastian asks which apartment they live at. And uh, the uh, whoever's g- greeted him said, no, silly, it's the whole building. <laughs> so they're very rich. They're a very rich bitch. And yeah. So... And uh, one thing we get a lot of in this film is exposition. Like, straight away we get exposition about about Sebastian's family and uh, about his mum and everything. And that's pretty much what we got within the opening minutes, is exposition about him. Like, throughout the whole film, it's constant, like, oh, but did you know this fact about Sebastian? Did you know this fact about this person? That's all yeah. it is. So his mum's in rehab again, which is why he's gone to live with his dad. So his dad's taken him in. Yeah, his dad and his stepmom, who offers step-mom. him to uh, pet her kitty. Yeah, so the stepmom's played by Mimi Rogers. Star... Oh, I don't know what she starred in. I think she's most memorable for being married to Tom Cruise. I think she was in something we watched. She was in... Yeah, she was in something that we watched. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. I, can't remember. I remember her from this film, if I'm being honest. Because uh, I, I, I watched this film when I was younger and... I knew it was crap back then but not as bad as i know now hmm. um so yeah so he's invited in to the uh building and 
Catherine explains that she always wanted a, a little brother, but they were all sold out at Bloomingdale's. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's a rich, spoiled girl. And uh, she uh, and Sebastian is introduced to a stepmom, Tiffany, Catherine's mother. And she's got a cat in mm. her lap. Yeah. Yes. Obvious joke. For, uh, <laughs> but that, the jokes in this film are all so obvious. It's constant, like, oh, funny this, funny that. Yeah, really immature. But he says, oh my, what a precious little kitty. Mm, then she would like to pet my kitty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she kind of flirts with yeah, him she wants throughout him. the film. And that never really goes anywhere. Also, can we discuss how he looks nothing like the actor in the first film? No, nothing. And neither does Amy Adams. No. Yeah, by the way, Amy Adams is in this. Oh, God, yeah, we didn't go through the cast. Yeah. Yeah, so playing young Well, this is the most important part. Yeah, so this is... So, um, the young Catherine is played by Amy Adams. Six-time Oscar nominee, (laughs) Amy Adams. All-round queen, Amy Adams. Uh, I think this was her second film. Now, if anyone is fortunate that this didn't turn into a TV series, it's Amy Adams. Yeah. Imagine if she was contractually obliged to do this fucking TV series. It would have ruined her career. She'd been in Drop Dead Gorgeous and she was great in that. That was her first film. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think it was a lot of TV stuff and it, it was a little iffy around this time for her. And then... She was in Junebug and got her Oscar nomination. And people were like, oh, shit. She's actually a really good actress. She's not great in this. No. Is she? She's no, not, she, she's really bad in this. It, most of the acting is. I think yeah. the guy who plays Sebastian's not awful um, for what he's meant to be doing. But other than that, it's really weird. Some of it's really weird. Like, it's particularly the actress who uh, plays Sherry. Um, she's very... I don't know what the word is. Like, I don't want to say over the top. It's it's like kind of she forced. Hams it. Yeah, yeah, very forced. She hams it up a lot. Yeah. But uh, no one acts like a human being in this film. No. Absolutely nobody. No, no. So, um, Catherine is playing the piano. Yes. And Sebastian asks if he could have a go. And he kills it. Absolutely smashes it on... The uh, piano. Uh, he also corrects Catherine's vocabulary over dinner. And Tiffany's very harsh on Catherine because of this. Yeah, we. Uh, this is a little more exposition as well because, you know, this film lost a spoon feature. We've got some exposition about how great Catherine is at school. Like, you find out all of her oh, achievements. Yeah. And, Ca- uh, Catherine's head of the French club. Catherine's um, head girl. We would call it head girl here in the UK. I can't remember what they'd call it in America. Yeah. Or she's um, leader of the student body. I, I, I don't know. and uh, But she's only a freshman or whatever. Yeah. She's, she's a, a sophomore. I don't understand how American schools work. Um, but she's very young to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Sebastian's embarrassed Catherine. Catherine's had a talent off from Tiffany for uh-huh. being a failure. And uh, Sebastian goes to have a shower. And Catherine decides to join him. So this yeah. is a massive shower. So it's a shower room. Uh-huh. Um, so Catherine decides to join him, not in the nudie, but uh, to give him a talent off. 
Yeah, tells him not to cross her. Yeah. Yeah, or she'll ruin him. As I look down at his willy, says, mm, not bad. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Then we're at school and Sebastian's about to meet the principal and there's a girl outside, Danielle. Well, before he meets her, um, what made me laugh was how Catherine tells him uh, to pretend that she that he doesn't know her. Like, you know, act like they're complete strangers and everything. Yet, she must have gone around and told the entire school that that was her stepbrother because everybody knows. No, because they're all nosy bitches. Oh, come on. So, they, how, how the fuck did they know that? If they, neither of them said anything, how did they know? Yeah, but there's a whole, like, club, isn't there, that we're introduced Yeah, yeah, that's where they bring it up. That's where yeah. they, they bring it up. But she tells him to pretend that he doesn't know her. Yeah, but they would have done the background checks. I don't oh. know. Mm. I don't know. I mean, they got out of the same fucking limo, for Christ's sake. True. Of course they knew each other. Anyone but they were right outside the school. And they got out the same vehicle. Of course they know each other. True. <laughs> but anyway, at school, uh, Sebastian's waiting to meet the new principal. Um, he's just randomly said, so- you're beautiful. Yeah, she goes to this girl and he's like, oh, you're beautiful, you are. I was like, okay, that's not creepy at all, is it? <laughs> yeah, she's like, excuse me? <laughs> like, yeah, well, well no, you are beautiful. Her exact <laughs> words were, "Excuse me, what did you mean by that remark? What the fuck do you mean? What did he mean that you're beautiful? Like, I'm pretty sure it's quite self-explanatory, really." But then he's like, "But then uh, he he's like, well, you are beautiful, aren't you?" And she's like, "Well, yeah, I am." And she's like, well, "No, no, oh, I'm no, not. I'm not. Oh, 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 fuck's sake!" Uh, he calls the principal a doofus, mm. and then. Comedy gold, whilst they're inside talking, she appears and starts talking to her dad, yeah. who's the principal. Oh Pop my twist. god, he's called her dad a doofus straight away. He's gonna have no chance with this one. Yeah, and, and but looking for him, her dad is happy to accept him at the school. Well, he is already there, so I mean, isn't that a given? Oh, yeah, he was in uniform, wasn't he? yeah. Well, he, he'd, he'd faked all his file anyway, mm. hadn't he? Um, but anyway, we'll cut to the school assembly and Catherine as head girls giving the a really boring speech. She's very false, very fake, um, saying how wonderful school spirit is or some shit like that. And there's a blonde ditzy girl, Sherry, mm-hmm. and she's got the hiccups. Oh, And these are the most fake-sounded hiccups you'll ever hear. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but she's like, Interrupting Kath, Catherine's fuming uh-huh. that somebody dares to have hiccups while she's trying to talk. And to solve the hiccups, uh, Sherry thinks that she needs a bubblegum fix. Um, so she shoves some bubblegum in. Start, because she's a fucking moron, she starts to choke on the bubblegum. Gets the Heimlich manoeuvre uh, from Danielle. And in the process, spits her gum out. Everybody gives Danielle a round of applause for saving the girl's life. And Catherine has that same bubblegum stuck in her hair. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a guy... Hang on. Who the fuck... What, now thinking back to this now, because that was... Um, who who was the girl that, threw, that, that was choking? That's Sherry. That was Sherry. I thought it yeah. was. So who the fuck was the guy that carried her away? Some random guy that carried some, her away. Some random guy just turns up and he was like, Thank you, Danielle. And he picks, uh, picks Sherry up and just walks away with her. Yeah. 
absolutely <laughs> no explanation as to who this guy is and he never comes back into the film no no just picks her up and carries her away Whew. okay so then we cut to English class and Sebastian starts mansplaining Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to Danielle so the English teacher um, asking them to analyse essentially Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde the novel um and Danielle starts explaining, you know, the, the very obvious themes of the two sides of man. And uh, Sebastian just sort of rudely says, wrong. Yeah. And starts mansplaining it as if she's a fucking moron. <laughs> and um, the English teacher agrees with Danielle, but uh, kind of tells her off for not being more tolerant of Sebastian's opinions. <laughs> Even though Sebastian's the one that was, like, wrong. Yeah, yeah nothing was said to him for that. Um, but, yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, after this... Oh, if, we sound, if we sound a bit bored talking about this film, it's because the film's really boring. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> nothing interesting happens. It's, like, really confusing. We could have just watched the first well. film again and we would have had more enjoyment. It's just... it It's... Kind of stuff just kind of happens, and the, sometimes it's slightly interesting, but mainly it's just a really boring film. Yeah. Well, because this film is massively insulting to women, Catherine is of course having an affair with the school head. Was it a headmaster? The assistant the assist- principal. Assistant principal. Or assistant headmaster. I don't know if they call him headmaster or principal. Well, I the same thing. He's, he's a higher up staff member in the school, and we know his name's Steve because uh, she starts calling him by his first name, and he's not happy about it. But they've been uh, they've been having a fling. Uh, well, they had a fling at the Hamptons, and uh, now she needs him to do her favors, and she'll do him favors in return. Yeah, so she has Jim as one of her lessons and she's absolutely fuming about it because uh, she doesn't want to sweat. Yeah. And, um, yeah, essentially she blackmails him, says she'll tell everyone that they had a fling in the Hamptons Mm -hmm. if he doesn't get her out of going out to do Jim. Yeah, yeah. So he does it for her. And then uh, we're shown a meeting in an attic... Uh, with loads of privileged rich kids. Yeah, so we get a a fairly long journey for Catherine of going through the school and then going up some ladders and we see right up a skirt, don't mm-hmm. we, essentially. Um, yeah, and then there's a group of them in there, in the attic. What are they called? I just got them down as privileged rich kids they're like uh, the trailer in uh for the film or for the tv series the trailer for the tv series essentially yeah um makes a big deal of this group as if it's some sort of secret society they look like, honestly they look like a cult they look, yeah they're like a cult of knobheads but they're all like dressed in uniforms but it, there's nothing sort of spiritual or, or you know uh magical about it but they're there and they're essentially the elite of the school and they decide who's in and who's out yeah and they just like stick their nose into people's business and try to ruin people essentially really that's what it is and she gives a big long speech 
um, because she's like the head of this. Mm-hmm. And um, some, I, I just wrote something about ridding the school of poor people and losers, essentially. Yeah, so they start talking about Sebastian. Um, and she says that he's a total loser because he shops at Gap. Yes. Yeah, and this is when we find out they all know that that's... Which I took one. very personally at the time, because I thought <laughs> Gap was the height of cool. Well, it, it, I did. Well, like, not like, putting Jamie Adams. Age, yeah, apparently not. Uh, and then Danielle, she works in a uh, a little bookstore, and she's in there having a browse through the Kama Sutra book. She, wow. She, she's handed it to put on the shelf, mm-hmm. and she has a little nose, and... Um, out of nowhere Sebastian makes her jump so he's been watching her yeah you know he, so he's been in the bookstore so he fuck knows how long he's been there watching her and makes the jump she drops the Kama Sutra on the floor he picks it up hilarity ensues some shit they're talking about nothing wrong with having a healthy sexual interest yeah and such oh Kama Sutra so funny <laughs> yeah then we're back to the secret society mm-hmm. in the attic and they've got a nice little slideshow on the go haven't they yes so the first guy so this must be the new people to the school for the new year so we have a boy who family is rich they can get um i think his father is someone in the music business Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he does have acne though, so he's not quite cool enough for them. No, Catherine <laughs> decides that he should get a facial, and to see if his dad can get them whole tickets. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely in two thousand. Definitely the year two thousand. Asking for whole tickets. <laughs> Um, Sebastian comes up something about somebody keep an eye on him or you know get to know his secrets or whatever I don't fucking know no it's another long scene of exposition yeah and then you have Sherry she pops up on the uh, projector and it turns out her family is richer than Catherine's yes so Catherine decides that she will personally oversee this, that this walking Teletubby becomes the premier slut of Manchester mm-hmm. prep. Even though Sherry hasn't even kissed a boy yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It, it, in fairness, scenes like this, they do verge on camp, don't they? Oh, it's very camp. Yeah. It's extremely it, camp. It, there's... There are moments where it so did, the make, first film. did make me chuckle. So, uh, and, and I, I, the whole idea of being a slut or a tramp or a whore is so confusing in this film. It really is. Do you know, it's kind of like some, it's kind of like they watched Mean Girls and then they got in a time machine, went back to 2000 and just made it. Because it's it's very, like, if I didn't know what year this was released, I'd say this is so, trying so hard to be Mean Girls. To a certain degree. I, I mean, it, it's... Throughout teen films, the sort of... The idea of cool people and losers. You know, it's mm-hmm. been... Fr- throughout, you yeah. know. Um, 
Breakfast Club, you know? Yeah. Samantha was the cool girl. Um, the goth girl whose name I forget was a loser, you know? Mm-hmm. In fucking, what film? Sixteen Candles. The guy's name was The Geek. Yeah, true. You know? So this whole idea is throughout teen cinema. Um, but in this film, it it's the idea of being a slut that I, I, I don't get. So they're going to make Sherry into a slut, even though all the women in this film are shown to be quite sexually active mm. um so but i don't know it's confusing it's, it's just a mess really, it's, it's just, just a mess messy, really. but it's also really insulting it is so insulting this it's film is really it's so misogynistic and it's also racist as well it is that brings me to the end of this scene where the group are absolutely fuming that sushi is not on the menu mm. so Chef Washington, who I'm assuming is the head chef at the school, they decide to get him fired because he refuses to put sushi on the menu. Yeah. And so they say, goodbye, Mr. Washington. Hello, Mr. Yakamoto. And there's a gong. Yeah. And not, not, That's not, not even the only time this happens no. in this film. And this is something else that was in 16 Candles yeah. as well. Whenever an Asian character was mentioned or appeared, a gong was fucking played. It is so needed. Like, imagine if every time a white character appear, it appeared, they fucking played Mr. Brightside or something. <laughs> like, seriously, it's so fucking insulting. <laughs> or Adele. <laughs> Coldplay. Coldplay. Christ. <laughs> but it, it's not... It, it's breaking the fourth wall, essentially. Yeah. Because there's no gong in that room. It's just really insensitive. Yeah, it is. It's it absolutely is. ridiculous. And it's played for laughs. That That's the problem. It's yeah. played for laughs. Because people seem to think this used to be funny. I, I don't fucking get it. So we cut to Danielle and Sebastian grabbing yeah. a coffee. More exposition about his fucking family. Well, the exposition is for both of them because mm. they're both poor. And that that's why we like them, because they're poor okay. characters. <laughs> and uh, Catherine pulled... Well, I'm assuming yeah, that's she all pulls we got up. from that. There was yeah. any character trait that we got. Yeah, is Ca- that they haven't got a lot of money, therefore they must be down to earth. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so Catherine pulls up in a limo and is like, Hi, Danielle, how's the used book still going? <laughs> and uh, Danielle's like, No, I'm not bothered about it. No, I'm not really that bothered. And then he's like, Okay, right. Mm, sounds like you are. Well, okay. you were, yeah. She she pulls up and starts acting like an arsehole to him. Um, but Sebastian thinks Danielle is cool because she doesn't care what Catherine thinks. Yeah. When Sebastian gets home, he there's a weird scene where he walks in on the chef with... Uh, a flat iron. Was it a flat iron he had in his hand? Yeah, he was about yeah. to kill a chicken. He was about to kill a chicken. It's like, oh, there's no need for that scene to be in there. But again, it's another comedic scene that's forced in because this whole film is trying so difficult to be fucking comedy. But it, it's also comedy based on cultural differences. Yeah. So, because um, the chef, I think the chef was uh, meant to be Eastern European. Uh-huh. Or, um, oh no, excuse me, uh, German I think he was. I think he was meant to be German. I think so. Um, he didn't say much. 
Um, but yeah, this chef, his cookie cookie uh, culture, uh, means that he is gonna kill a chicken in the kitchen. Yeah. Rather than just buying an already prepared chicken. I don't know. What I want to know is how on earth the director was allowed to make films after this. <laughs> like, I know it's the 2000s. It's the everyone's 2000s like, it's a different though, time. Well, I mean, so it was acceptable to be straight up racist and misogynistic back then. But uh, anyway, so uh, after this, Sebastian speaks with his dad, who is on the phone to his accountant. And his dad actually looks like Piers Morgan a bit. Yeah, make him more and more unlikable. Sebastian gets back from a sweaty run, so Catherine is too cool to sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Sebastian will just go for a run and get really sweaty. Yeah. so that makes him likable. Yeah, his dad is uh, is on the phone to his accountant that he's having an affair with. Um and. Uh, well, just before that, sorry, just to reiterate on this whole um, aren't other people's cultures hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, after he's back from the run, he sits down for dinner. Dinner's been prepared, even though there's no one to have dinner with. Yeah. And uh, But it's been prepared. And Sebastian pretty much just acts completely horrified at the fact that somebody from another culture is making his dinner. Mm-hmm. Um there's an uh, Indian guy that works there. Yeah. I d- he doesn't actually say anything, but he, 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 he does he have a turban a, on. Yeah, he has a moment that's meant to make him look comedic. But um, just, just being him is yeah. comedic. Just the idea of a guy wearing a turban, you know, handing him his food mm-hmm. is absolutely hilarious. And oh, Sebastian just... Looks uncomfortable, doesn't want to eat his food. Yeah. Which is just kind of insulting and just, yeah, leaves his food. After so, this, yeah. uh, Catherine takes Sherry to uh, out to a nightclub because she's obviously so determined to turn into a slut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Catherine is so cool that she just walks into the club. She knows the bouncer. Yeah. And then everyone's protesting. She just <laughs> turns around and says, <laughs> like get over it losers <laughs> it's just this idea of like being cool and being a loser that's throughout the film it's like yeah. and I, I understand I understand you know we're not meant to like Catherine so she would go around calling people losers but uh, do people even do that <laughs> I don't care loser it's very, again, it's, it really adds to the campness of it all. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, she... I, I, I wanted to see more of her, but not necessarily for the right reasons. <laughs> um, so there's a random guy in a club, and uh, Catherine tells Sherry to, uh, to let him fuck her. Yeah, so this... What's, is this name... Um, what was his name? Because I think it was the same guy from the first film. I just... The I, one who dumped Catherine over the 4th of July. I've only got him wrote down as random guy. Oh, it's something count or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, she gets them to kiss. So closer to that. They, they recreate the famous uh, lesbian kiss scene from the first film. But with, obviously, with a this man random woman. guy. Well, um, Catherine does that old trick of telling somebody, in this case, Sherry, that... Uh, 
it's iced tea when really it's a Long Island iced tea. Yeah. <laughs> because people are so thick that they can't tell that they're drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I... We've had Long Island iced teas. Yeah. They're fucking strong. You know you're drinking alcohol. You know you're drinking alcohol. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so this bloke comes over and Catherine and Sherry go to... Oh, another hilarious scene where Sherry doesn't understand when Catherine says that they need to go to the ladies' room together. Yeah. Um, and this is taken from many, many, many films and TV shows. Uh, the misunderstanding. She says, well, I don't need to go. And then, uh, But then Catherine hits her. Yeah. And says, do you want more of that? And Sherry's like, no. <laughs> She's like, well, then come with me then. <laughs> and I'm like, so you're threatening violence? Well, after... Um... After they have their kiss scene, which is a lot less interesting than the first film, um, Sherry then vomits on this random guy. Yes. Yeah, it's all those uh, long and nice teas. Yeah, and then we get a very uninteresting phone conversation with Danielle and Sebastian. Yeah, pretty much. Catherine returns. Yes. But in the telephone call, it's established that it's 10.30 at night, which is quite early to get back from the club. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't want to stay out late in this film. In fairness... That's pretty much here when you would be going to the club. Yeah, pretty much. Really? Well... Maybe even later than that. Well, next day... 10.30 is like pre-drink still. <laughs> you may have gone to like a, a, a pub or a bar on the way to a night out, but 10.30 is very early to be getting home. Well, she's a bad bitch. She's doing whatever she wants. <laughs> the next day, Sebastian has breakfast in bed waiting for him. No, um, can I just... Sorry... Sorry, can I just add something else? Yeah. There? Something else offensive is when Catherine does return, they have a little argument, don't they? Yeah. And it ends with Catherine's bulimia being outed and ridiculed. And it's the butt of the joke. Yeah. That she's suffering from bulimia. Um, so I thought that was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because she's... It it's meant to be part of the reason why she's a bad person. Um, so that wasn't uh, that that just didn't sit well. No, didn't surprise me either though. No, with no. the way this film went. Um, but next day, Sebastian has breakfast in bed waiting for him, but literally on top of him. Yeah. Like there, there's a tray with all the breakfast and everything on top of him whilst he's asleep. He wakes up, knocks it off, you know, because who would know that that was there waiting. Uh, and then the Asian maid is the biggest racist stereotype that you will see in a film. Yeah. She gets so upset about it. She's crying. She's being really loud and everything. Um, and just the way she's speaking, I think that you, know, you can tell it's put on to you know be the stereotype. Over exaggerated. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Sebastian storms off and he's like, "Christ, it's like a fucking Godzilla movie, really." <sighs> so yeah. And then these two girls come out of nowhere. Um, two twins. Yeah. Uh, well, Catherine's, it's Catherine's friends. Yeah. Isn't it? So Catherine's set up for these twins to share a shower with Sebastian. Yeah. People so just she... love walking in on him in the shower. Don't oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. He's never any locks on the door. No. So um, Catherine's like, okay, so you know what to do. And the girls are like, seduce and destroy. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> It is so camp. 
Um, so the girls are called Sarah and Gretchen, and uh, they go to join in with uh, with Sebastian Shower, getting tits out. Um, they do. A- as we always say, you know, this is just one scene, and it's fucking crawling attention too. Why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> um, so yeah, they get the tits out in the shower, and uh, Sebastian Sanzo starts blowing on kisses. Because well, that's how just, awkward he is in this yeah, film. Yeah, they're just awkwardly chatting and stuff. And uh, there's boner jokes, isn't there? Yeah. And then he says, oh, are you sisters? And they're like, oh, you know, he's embarrassed himself. And they're like, oh, more like kissing cousins. And then they start making out with each other. Yeah, which is fucking gross because these are twin Weird. sisters. Like, I don't get. Yeah, and he's, I don't know, getting hot and heavy over it and whatever. Yeah. They play ring toss with his willy. And he slips over. Yeah, he slips over. He squeezes the shower gel so it looks like spunk. Yeah, and then they say to him, uh, as the school motto goes, if you don't snort it, suck it. Yeah. So this this is where I'm confused. So they're saying the Manchester Prep is practically a whorehouse. Yeah. Uh, Their motto is... well, either if you can't snort it, suck it, but also seduce, seduce and destroy. And destroy. Um, I don't... This scene was added in after the TV show was filmed. So when they knew it was going to be a film, they thought they would add a scene like this with a bit of nudity. And so if, if you notice that the dude, uh, the guy playing Sebastian... Uh, actually looks quite different because it's a year apart. I was going to say, there's something, there's definitely something different about him. I thought he, like, some scenes looked like he had a hairy chest and others he didn't. Yeah, and then he'd lost some weight as well. So all the ones where he didn't have a hairy chest and had lost some weight were filmed after the TV show was cancelled and they were making it into a film. And sort of splicing shit together. So this scene goes nowhere. He doesn't have sex with either of these twins. He... Nothing can... He's neither seduced nor destroyed. No. And so it actually makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. It's, it's just thrown in for yeah. a throwaway, you know, couple of boobs. Yeah, About pretty much. Boobs. And after this, uh, Catherine's telling off the staff... And uh, there's a random shot of the uh, the Asian waiter laughing. The male, the Indian guy. He's uh, laughing because... Um, why was he laughing? Just for comedic effects? Yeah, I think so. Because apparently, you know, an Indian guy with a turban laughing is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catherine's... Wasn't Catherine telling him off because her skirt was slightly misty? Yeah. Wasn't it? And... She didn't have the car because Sebastian had the limo, or it was slightly late to pick her up. Mm-hmm. Just she's just there being an asshole, being a stuck up bitch, uh, to the the staff, talking down to them. Um, they're giving their allowance, aren't they? Catherine yeah. and Sebastian, uh, which is cash in an envelope, and uh, Sebastian thinks it's either annual or biannual. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, it's weekly. Uh, so um, she storms off and uh, Sebastian gives some of his money to the butler mm-hmm. because he's cool and we're meant to like him in this film 
Yeah. Yeah, this is what I think. Why, why are they trying to build him up to be such a likable character? Yeah. And then in the, within the last five minutes, he's like, oh, well, if you can't beat him, join him. And it's like, okay, really? You changed just like that? And in the first film, he's not a likable character. No. So it's, it's like... The suggestion at the beginning of this film is that he's an asshole. Yeah. The whole film tries to build him up to be the good guy. And then it goes to part at the end. So, and even if it was a TV series, mm-hmm. it still wouldn't be that believable no, if it was filmed no. this way. And uh, so, yeah. So, Sherry needs a tutor in French. She's on the steps at school, isn't she? She's, like, asking people, tutor me in French, tutor me in yeah. French. Uh, Danielle agrees, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for money. Because Sherry is not sure what's the right amount to pay because it might be insulting because principals make no money and <laughs> Danielle's fed up of talking about money Sherry says well money is cool <laughs> I'm being paused for a loser oh Jesus see even she's not that likeable no um, but yeah they're walking and talking and Danielle hears a phone turns out it's in her backpack and, uh, yeah, and so, this is when we get to see how creepy he is, isn't it? Yeah, so Sebastian's on the other side of the phone after she picks it up and he's bought it for her because money is cool. And uh, he asks her to close her eyes in the middle of the score and he forces a kiss on her. Yeah, just jumps out and though, uh, gives her a kiss and she uh, throws the phone at him and runs away. Because for for a while she's been nothing but mildly interested in him. Yeah. Very mildly. Um, if anything, she's been slightly passive aggressive. Well, her character's one that takes the biggest jumps of all the edits. Yeah. I mean, you know, one minute she's like this, and the next minute she's trying to suck him off in the middle of a park. It's like, make your mind up, what are yeah. you? What are you trying to be? This is your Reese Witherspoon in the original role, yeah. isn't it? But there's been no bet to seduce her. He actually just kind of likes her and um, yeah. gets on, but yeah. he just doesn't know how to act. He doesn't know how to deal with it. Mm. So... So he brought her a good digital phone, yeah. as he calls it, and then uh, forces a kiss. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's so shocked when she stormed off. Um, and then uh, Catherine appears she she witnessed it and then she says to him uh, it's as they say the best laid plans sometimes suck what, what do you mean it's as they say no one says that <laughs> so um, then we see Catherine and she's uh, yeah, been she's excused trying to get out of from gym oh yeah she's, so she's been excused from gym but not ballet mm-hmm. and she, she again she's she spends half the film fuming about something and uh, she's trying to flirt with the teacher that's making her do ballet. Yeah. Um, but as he explains, she's got the wrong guy. Which you think, oh, okay, upstanding citizen, you know, he's not going to... Uh-huh. Because she's trying to flirt with him to get out of it. I should have explained that, sorry. And uh, she's got the wrong guy. And for oh, okay, you know, this guy takes his job very seriously... He won't partake in flirtations or sexual activity with someone who's technically a minor. You know, it's it's highly illegal. No. Why does she... How has she got the wrong guy, Gary? Because she is the wrong gender. (laughs) 
This teacher is actually a gay character, and as soon as she leaves, he tries it on with a boy. And that's how we know. <laughs> oh, my God. So, <laughs> these two teachers are both have, trying to have it off with students. Yeah. Well, one of them did. I'm assuming both, really. You can't just be a normal teacher. <laughs> no. Got to be a sexual predator. So, I mean, and then as soon as that scene's finished, you go back to uh, Catherine with the other guy. Um, the assistant principal. Yeah. and, and she's, she's human, still. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a long scene, and um, he tells her that his life is now falling apart, and so she opens her legs to him, and, uh, yeah, he goes down on her. <laughs> kind of. So she sat on the uh, desk, and uh, he ends up on his knees, doesn't he? Yeah. And she spreads her legs wide open. He starts kissing her leg. And he's like, oh, I worship you, Catherine. Yeah, she's like, please be quiet. I'm trying to imagine I'm going with someone attractive. <laughs> yeah. So the whole gym thing. So she does end up doing gym in the end. Uh, his name's not Jim. I mean, Jim is in uh, uh, physical education. Um, because it was all a test to see if he could... And that in the future, she's going to need one big, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Favour from yeah. him, excuse me. She's going to need one big favour from him. Would you think, oh, that's going to lead to something? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't lead anywhere. <laughs> that's the last you see of him. So whatever this favour was, no. We'll never know. We'll never know. So, uh... After this, Sebastian is playing cards and drinking with the uh, household staff. Yes. And Catherine comes home. She's absolutely fuming about this. How dare you treat them like normal human beings? Fuming again. It's because she um, tried to get the limo to pick her up. She had to take a taxi. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. And she was kind of left out in the car. I don't know why she didn't have a key to her own player. I don't know yeah. how... It, seemingly she was locked out but then she appears from nowhere so I don't know how the fuck uh-huh. she got in in the end yeah it was a little weird but whatever um, but yeah it's not not the worst uh, continuity error in this film yeah Oof. so after this um, they have a little conversation where Kath- uh, Catherine reveals that she feels a little out of place and wants to fit in yeah so this is the first time we see her as it's the only few. time the only time excuse me yeah, so this is the only time we see her as a bit more human with, like, proper human emotions. Um, so her mum's very hard on her. She finds it hard to fit in at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think her parents are... Uh, well, her uh, mother and stepfather are quite absent a lot of the time and that. So she starts crying and she's really opening up. And Sebastian just couldn't give a shit. No, could he? he no, just in, in fact, shit. straight after this, he, he receives a call from Sherry, who calls him to tell him that Danielle is madly in love with him, and she gets moist over him all the time. But moist, by moist she, she means, means... In the eyes. In the eyes. Because when people describe being teary, they use the word moist. Yeah. So apparently... Another shit fucking joke. And and if anything, Danielle's given no indication that she even likes it. No. No, she hasn't. 
Who would go to a friend and say, oh, sure, I you... think about him, I get teary-eyed. And then the friend goes and calls him. Yeah, Sherry's a little creepy in this, actually. She is. She's well out of place. So he, he actually, she actually tells him where uh, where Danielle is. So he, he heads there with his uh, fucking violin. She's on a boat or a ferry or something, isn't she? Yeah. So he, he goes there with his violin and uh, he walks her to the train station. And uh, and then all of a sudden, he's meant to be walking her there, but then she just gets a taxi. Yeah. Gets a taxi, leaves him talking to himself. Yeah, because he's actually... This is two scenes in a row where somebody's opening up about something and nobody could give a shit. Yeah. Because he's opening up about his struggle with his mum's rehab stints mm-hmm. and trying to fit in now living with his dad. It yeah. feels like a fish out of water. And all that shit. And he turns round and she's in the taxi. She's like, oh, I can't miss my train. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, after this, he gets some bonding between uh, the uh, stereotypical Asian maid and Catherine. And, uh, yeah, so this, this is... In fairness, this is a, a tiny little bit of continuity from when she was talking to Sebastian. Yeah. Uh so Catherine tries to be nice to uh, Malian. So mm-hmm. we see Malian in the uh, first film, don't we? Yeah. But she doesn't. She doesn't say much. Um, but in this one, she's talking to Malian, uh, who is from Cambodia. Mm-hmm. But Catherine asks if she's from China or Japan. Yeah. Um, they talk. So Malian got to America via Vietnam. And she fled the Khmer Rouge um, dictatorship. I think it, I think it was a dictatorship. Excuse me, I'm not great uh, history. Um, and Catherine explains that that's a t- must be a terrible shade of rouge. Yeah, which um, you know a lot. A lot of people died, and she's making a very mm-hmm. insensitive joke. It, and this the is whole played scene, for laughs. Yeah, the whole scene is so racist. This is played for laughs. The whole idea of Catherine confusing uh, a Cambodian lady and asking her if she's from China or Japan is played for laughs. And it shouldn't be. It's so racist. Yeah. I I don't see how anyone could have found this funny in the slightest. No. Stupid. And then they cut to school and another Asian character is... um, seen insensitively we've got the new Japanese chef at school yeah Mr uh, Mr Nago I've got him right down us yeah gong uh, plays gong <laughs> plays as soon as he shows as up as soon as he shows up that gong again he, he talks about the fish he's going to be making yeah very it, it's it's a difficult one because obviously, obviously these are played by Asian actors who have agreed to do mm. these Roles and I'd, 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 I'd probably because well, even now, but back then, to get roles as you know, non white actors would have been difficult, let's be honest. Yeah, unless you're in a specialist sort of film, it would have been difficult. So, it's, I think maybe sometimes it's just you know, take whatever you can get and, and roll with it, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, but I, I do, 
it just reminds me that old Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's, that really over-exaggerated, mm-hmm. you know, view at the cultures and just played for laughs. It's as if his mere presence as a Japanese person is comical. It's, it's, it's very strange to think things used to be like that, especially now with... I mean, well, you still get your iffy stuff released nowadays, but think about to how things used to be back then. It's kind of like, ugh. Yeah. That was apparently okay. And I feel like it's a very recent thing where all this is sort of being brought up. Mm. And, you know, and this whole hashtag Me Too thing... There's definitely been a change, mm. and you you would never be able to get away with this sort of shit in films. You, you look at, I, 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 part of me is desperate to see it. I don't know how we'd even watch it, but Laquisha. Yeah, I'm glad you're desperate to see it. <laughs> but just to the desperate to see it, just to see it, and just to be like, what is the, you know, what was going on in this guy's mind? To think that this sort of thing, and, and for anyone who's not aware, uh, Google Laquisha, uh, but it's a f- recent film. It was th- like within the last two years, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Sorry. Um, within the last two years, um, this Laquisha film, where it, it's a white guy, a uh, white middle-aged guy, Oh, I w- uh, sorry, yeah, I was just thinking, no, it was. It was last year, because it's... Oh, was it last been, year? I think it's been nominated for uh, all the Razzies. Okay. Oh, no, no, yeah. It, oh, you got me thinking now, because this year was the catch year for Razzie, so it had been last... So, yeah, two years ago. Two yeah. years ago. Well, anyway, the premise is this middle-aged guy who is trying to get on to be a radio presenter decides to put on the voice of an African-American woman... A very stereotypical, over-the-top African-American woman voice and pretends to be an African-American woman. And his radio show is super-duper popular. Yeah. It, it's it's one of those, you sit there and you think to yourself, why on earth would you even make this film? Anybody who's involved with it, why would you look at this script and say, yes, this, I would like to be a part of that this film? This is it. <laughs> Fuck me. But yeah, it's just making people's culture and people's identity into this big joke. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. And and just one note. Just one note as well. Like this Japanese man, yes, he probably makes fantastic sushi. You know, yeah. let's not deny that. But he's running around the fucking campus. That's, like, that's all he's good for in With a film. cucumber that's... in one hand... And a dead eel in the other. Yeah, and it's, it's, it is saying, essentially, that that is all he's good for. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, slightly before that, though, Sherry tells Danielle that if uh, if she received the phone that uh, Danielle got as the gift, then she would have piddled on the floor there and then. She did actually uh, use the term piddles. Yeah, and then uh, she shows... Uh, she shows Danielle that she's done a sketch of uh, of her and Sebastian, which is just fucking creepy. It, it's really weird. Yeah, she's done a sketch of them kissing. Yeah. And it's a really well-done sketch. But why? Uh, like, <laughs> like, what? It's really weird. Uh, and then after the uh, after the Mr. Nago scene, um, they, you got 
uh, Catherine talked to her friends about Sherry, like, oh, yeah, I'm not friends with her, fucking weird bitch. And then Sherry just, like, announces throughout the entire school, like, in front of everybody. She's like, I spoke to my mom, you come and have a sleepover tonight. I've got the new Hanson album we could listen to. <laughs> you know you're in 2000 when Hanson is a thing still. <laughs> the new Hanson album. They had more than one? Uh, oh, I didn't know they had more than one song. Let alone more than one album. Yeah. So, after this... Um, Danielle wants to have a meet up with uh, with Sebastian, and they have a chat. And uh, she says that the kiss earlier, you know, where he forced himself on her, that was her first kiss. Poor cow. And uh, she says it has to be spontaneous. It has to be the right moment. So they kiss again. And uh, Catherine was spying on them the whole time and threatens to mess everything up. And this is when they do their "I declare war" scene. And Sebastian physically assaults uh, Catherine and pushes her into the mud. It <laughs> does actually. Yeah, he physically assaults her. And, he, and it's just so weird because you get this moment where he, he pushes her into the mud and then she goes back home, she has this massage with her mum because um, they have their own masseuse now, two of them. And, uh, and then after this, Sebastian turns up and then uh, he wants a massage too. But the women that are doing the massages, they uh, they get down on their knees in front of his dick and start making noises. Yeah, and then he has to start thinking of dead puppies. Yeah. So he doesn't get an erection because they're undoing his trousers in front of his stepmom. Mm-hmm. So, after this... That, it, yeah. Yeah. That, that was just a weird scene where... Um, so, Cat... What I found strange was that Catherine essentially admits to her mum that she's took it upon herself to make Sherry a slut and to ruin her reputation at the school and essentially ruin her time at the school by making her into a slut. And her mum seems to have absolutely no issue with this. Yeah, she's fine with it. She's fine with it. That's great. Just make sure you're nice to her. Because mm. I want some money off her mum. Yeah. So, it, it's annoying because every single female character in this film, if they're not a stereotype, they're a slut. If they're not a slut, then they are an absolute bitch. If they're not a bitch, then they're a weirdo. It's There's not one positive female representation in this film. There isn't. By the end, there isn't. But in fairness... Uh, is there any positive male representation? Well, you're meant to like Sebastian for the most part. For the majority, but you're also meant to like Danielle for the most part. Yeah, I suppose. Um, and then in the end, turns out everyone's a, a dickhead. There's just more substantial female roles. Mm. So the women come off uh, at the end of it looking worse because they're multifaceted assholes. <laughs> Whereas yeah. with males, it's just Sebastian ends up being an arsehole and his dad's an arsehole as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a rule of numbers, I suppose. Well, after this, the um, Catherine's mum, uh, Sebastian's stepmum, starts massaging him. He thinks it's the, uh, the other girls, but no, it's her. And uh, she spanks him and walks away. And uh, he actually says, She spanked me! <laughs> Who the fuck are you saying that to? What, um, Catherine's mum, Tiffany, explains that uh, if Sebastian's dad was to ever do anything wrong, or to, I think she's 
suspicious of his dad having an affair and explains that if his dad does anything wrong or upsets her, then it's both of them out on the streets. Yeah. Uh, So Sebastian won't accept this and goes to his dad's yacht to find his dad handcuffed to the bed. Yeah, and uh, and then he tries to play it off at first and say he's just having a nap. He's like, yes, okay, because it's not obvious at all. Sebastian <laughs> yeah. um, goes through all the doors. He finds Lily, uh, a, a lady that uh, his dad describes as his first mate. Yes, first mate on the boat. Yes, I'm, I'm sure she fell for that. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and then he Sebastian breaks the news that his dad's married and... Uh, Lily goes away and then they have a conversation. Yeah, so Lily's fuming, obviously, that it turns out the man she loved was actually married. Um, she's a lot younger than him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they have a little chat on the park bench. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, basically he's saying that she don't need no man, that she's fine by herself. If she can't love herself, how in the hell is she going to love anybody else? <laughs> Can I get an amen? And uh, she takes this on board, but decides it was actually the perfect time to try it on with Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And to try and force a kiss. Uh, well, she did force a kiss on him, didn't she? She did, she did. And then, uh, and then she tried inviting him back to her place. And uh, he was like, I have an oral report due in the morning. And I knew what was coming straight away as soon as he said that. <laughs> she was like, I'm great at oral. Try me. And he was like, uh, and no, I'm going. And then he calls her a psychopath. Yeah, but she... So he had given her his jacket to keep her warm. She goes to give it back to him as he's walking away. <laughs> and so she doesn't manage to and she keeps the jacket. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, something's going to come of this. No, you never see her again. I thought something was going to come of that scene. I thought that, uh, you know, in classic romantic comedy style, I thought that Danielle would be there watching when yeah. he was kissing her. But no. Nope. Or something would have happened with the jacket. Yeah. But no, it goes absolutely no, nowhere. No, Lily doesn't return to the film. Do you know what does return to the film? The jacket. Does it? Yes, it does. This black leather jacket. <laughs> Unless he's got more than one, which is unlikely. Um, so there's a nice little continuity error from forcing this film out of... Oh, uh, I bet there's so many errors. Yeah, film. there will be. There will be. I haven't been through them all uh, but some really stuck out for me um, I I found it quite uh, in, intriguing mm-hmm. that Sebastian was so concerned that uh, his dad didn't mess it up yeah so like again Tiffany as a woman is only useful for her money mm-hmm. um, I don't think the dad really loves her no no. No, I don't and think so. I don't, and no one really cares. No. But seemingly Tiffany does. Really. Because mm-hmm. if she didn't care that much, she wouldn't have given that warning to Sebastian. I suppose. She she wouldn't have wanted to... So the dad's not bringing anything to that marriage. No. And in fact, in the first film, uh, Sebastian actually says that it's the mum that's the gold digger. But this film tells us that it's the mum that had all the money. It's kind of like... It's confusing. The, the weird thing is, it, 
this is from the director of the first one, the writer of the first film. It's kind of like he's never even seen the first film. Yeah. But he's just like read a description of it and he's tried copying it. Yeah. Um, well, there's uh, a conversation going on between Sherry and her mother and uh, Catherine and her mother. Um, and then Catherine spots her, her dad running through. Um, obviously, he's just been handcuffed, uh, as we've just explained. He's still got handcuffs Still got on. his handcuffs on. And uh, Catherine goes to help him, and she gives him a list of things to do to make her mum happy. Oddly specific. Very specific. Including popping two Viagras. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then she kisses him on the head, and uh, as she walks away, he stares down at her ass, and he's like, oh, what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, because she's like, who's your favourite daughter? And uh, as she's walking away, oh, what a shame. Yeah. Uh, what a shame for <laughs> my daughter. Or what a shagged you years ago. <laughs> the next day, uh, Sebastian goes to his window and uh, there's a little old lady in the street. And he's like, morning, lovely day, isn't it? And she's like, bite me, rich boy. <laughs> and he's like, ah, uh, oh, New York, what a beautiful town. It's like... Uh, why did that need to be in there? Like, look at how serious the first know, film actually. is. Yeah. So, uh, Danielle says her goodbyes to her dad and uh, qu- goes to... Quite uh, a nice house as well, actually. Considering they're all go- saying how poor yeah. that family must be, like they're on the breadline, that's actually a really nice house. It is. And she says goodbye to him, and then as she's leaving, she gets uh, a limo that's been sent to her from uh, Sebastian. And after this, we see Sherry getting horse riding lessons with Catherine. Oh, a now, very weird scene. This is the scene that Rupert Murdoch didn't like, and it's just why, the, why? T- the TV show got cancelled. So Catherine, in her plan to make Sherry the premier slut of Manchester prep even though we've seen a scene of two twins getting in the shower with Sebastian and making out with each other. Yeah. Um, they're not the premier sluts. Um, Sherry is going to be after Catherine gives her horse riding lessons. So they're in the middle of a park in New York. A lot I'm happens sure. in this park. Yeah. I don't know what kind of park this is. Yeah. <laughs> But they're there with a horse. But they're practising uh, horse riding, yeah. but the horse isn't moving. So the horse is there, and Sherry get keeps getting thrown off. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, but then she starts enjoying it a little too much, and uh, and then Catherine's like, so it's up and down, back and forth, faster, faster, and they repeat it about 5,000 times. So she's rubbing her vaginal area into the saddle yeah essentially and then eventually she has an orgasm and falls off the horse she does and now she knows why girls like horse riding so it is much. so oh you can tell you're so tired of some man that wrote this yeah yeah you can <laughs> so so insulting. I still for years for years I thought that's what horse riding was and because uh, I was very young when I watched this film, I mean, I was 12 when it came out. Obviously, I didn't watch it in the cinema, I probably didn't, it was straight to TV, probably the movie or whatever, or straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think I had it on VHS, embarrassingly enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I watched this and I thought, I was like, what happens when women ride horses? Is that, you know, <laughs> is that a real thing? So for years I thought, you know, 
women had orgasms on horses. <laughs> well, as far as I know, that's not what happens. But um, well, I'm no expert, but I don't yeah. think that's what happens. So Danielle and Sebastian are making out in that same park. It seems to be that same park. Yeah. They're on a bench he's, on the outskirts. He's feeling her boobs, and then she says to him, "You're practically feeling my breast." Your dick will be in my mouth by lunch. Yeah, because she's having reservations because their first kiss wasn't too long ago. Mm. Now he's groping her tit. And yeah, she's worried that his dick will be in her mouth before lunchtime. And she wants to make sure that's happening, so she grabs it. She grabs... We get four very graphic shots of a close-up of her just grabbing his dick. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then she unzips... Uh, she keeps unzipping her top and uh, showing her bra. Still in this park, you know, where it looks like there's a public pathway. Many people can walk past any time they want. And this is a park in New York. Yeah. You, you know, a lot's probably happened on that bench. People have shat, pissed, you know, sacrificed goats on that probably. park bench. Well, uh, he says, uh, let's take it slow and uh, not hurt each other. God, I sound like a cancelled TV show. Oh, comedy gold. So I'm assuming this scene was added in then. Yeah. Just for that comedic moment. Mm-hmm. But also, Danielle's character has changed massively between two scenes. Yeah, this is where you really see a big change in her. It's very jarring because she was quite demure throughout sort of the whole film, and now we're getting towards the end, and suddenly she's, uh, you know dick hungry and yeah flashing a bra in the middle of a park and I'm like what what's going on here Where, where's this change you know come where's it come from mm-hmm. essentially yeah and then she leaves him there uh she she leaves him there to dry she uh <laughs> blue she goes, board blue yeah. board because she has to go to mass with her dad and he's actually he sits there and he's like oh my balls and it's like <laughs> You're in the middle of a fucking park. People can hear you talking to yourself. Stop it. So, um, after this, uh, one of the guys from uh, the Attic Cult from the start of the film gives... Uh, uh, excuse me, no, with the lead up to this scene. Lead up? So, Catherine is shopping in New York. She's absolutely serving in a skin-tight dress. <laughs> uh, she walks down the street. She gets a wolf whistle. Oh. Don't she? She does, yeah. She's looking she good, feeling gorgeous. Uh, she gets a wolf whistle and a car crashes because yeah. she's looking so damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes into whatever shop it is, um, some designer shop, and uh, a guy that we haven't seen since the beginning of the film in this sort of secret society yeah. decides that, yeah, I knew I'd find you here. Yeah, he does miraculously know that she's there. Yeah, and he's got Sebastian's file. Yeah, he's there to spill the tea on Sebastian. But his original file, so the one that explains all the hamster um, Viagra stories yeah. and such. Uh, meanwhile, Sebastian's getting a call uh, from from Danielle, and she offers him over her house, and she said it's just her and Mr. Whiskers that night, and he says, who's Mr. Whiskers? She's like, my pussy, silly. No one calls their cat their pussy anymore. No. And uh, and then after the phone call finishes, he's like, huh, the school virgin's all alone with her pussy and I'm taking her to see Dawson. God, I've become such a total and then a homophobic slur. Because that's totally necessary. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, that's not as many as the first film. The first film is absolutely riddled with that word, like, within the first 20 minutes. Yeah, it does say that word a lot, and this one, yeah. Um, and uh, so Catherine comes into the room, and she reveals that she knows all about his secrets, and they... Uh, She's quite turned on by it, actually, by shady past. Yeah, they start making out. You think they're about to get it on. Yeah, she says, you know what they say about incest. Yeah, but she never really says no, what they say. So I, do you know what? I don't know what they say about incest. No. Like, I can honestly say I, I have no idea what they say about incest. No, and, and he's like, oh, you do know you're my sister. And he's like, is there any line you won't cross? It's like, yeah, I never have it up the ass. Yeah, which I think is a throwaway to the first film. Yeah. Because the whole bet was about Sebastian wanting to shove it up at backside. Yeah. In the first film, the whole plot is based around <laughs> Sebastian wanted to put his willy up Catherine's ass. Yeah, yeah, basically. And her finally allowing him to if he wins the bet. Oh, dear. Wow. Do you know what? When I watched that first film when I was younger, I had absolutely no idea what they were going <laughs> on about. I had no fucking clue. No. I just thought they looked good and... I'd. I'd loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I was like, oh, it's Buffy in a film. And it's, you know, it says rude words, and Ryan Felipe gets his arse out and yeah. on everything, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Well, um, so Catherine gets on the phone, because uh, they, they start getting on, and, uh, and Sebastian's not having it. He goes off to go see uh, Danielle. But uh, Catherine gets on the phone to Danielle, and, uh, and then Sebastian goes to her house, and uh, we find out that, big plot twist, Danielle was in on it all along and she was just uh, leading him on. Yes, so we find out that the last hour and, what, 15 minutes yeah. of our lives were a complete waste. Uh-huh. Because every single thing that happened in this film leading up to this point was completely pointless yeah so much absolutely so much so it's meant to be some sort of great twist but it just renders everything that's happened completely pointless Mm -hmm. suddenly with this revelation sebastian decides that if you can't beat them join them so he becomes the character we saw in the first film hmm so he's he decides and after this um there's another scene that sort of reiterates this um, yeah, I mean, well, he, he, like you said, he says, he, well, if you can't beat them, and then uh, Danielle, or was it Catherine, was like, oh, who says you can't beat them? And then... Uh, and Danielle. Yeah, the two of them go down on uh, on Catherine, and she's like, share and share alike. Yeah, two's company, three's a fuckload of fun. Yeah. Poor Amy Adams having to say these fucking <laughs> words on screen. So, after this, we, we get a final sequence of uh, Sherry. She's knocked off her bike. Well, she's... So, she's riding her bike. Uh, seemingly, Sebastian's in the back of the limo. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And makes... And we've, we've seen a call being made to the front of the limo. Yeah. To limo driver. And, essentially, that call is, like, knock her off a bike. Yeah. So, like, you could have killed her. And then the limo driver's, like, groping her as he's trying yeah. to... Um... So he's helping her with a bike. So her bike's broken, essentially. Mm. And he's helping her up, but grabbing her tits at the same time. Yeah, he just keeps grabbing them constantly. Yeah, and, like, trying to... Are you okay? Are you okay? 
um, get in the back of the limo and she's like, oh, I can't take a ride from a stranger. And then she, she looks in and she sees Sebastian. She's like, oh, it's you. The limo driver says, I'll take care of your bike. Just fucking chucks it wherever. Mm-hmm. And um, with a little nod to the first film, when Sherry gets in, yeah. Sebastian has a camera and says, oh, you could be a model if only you were sexy. Sherry, being the dunce that she is, says, oh, I can be sexy. And he, again, practically forces a kiss on her. Really? Yeah. Forces yeah, he himself does. on he does. her. Yeah. She s- starts to like it, you know, um, and he, he, he starts. Yeah, he, he starts feeling the boobs and she's like, that's my special place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then they have sex in the back of the limo whilst... Um, Catherine and Daniela sat in the front and put sunglasses on. Which is creepy because for the whole film, this Sherry's meant to... She's so childlike Mm -hmm. and she's so, you know, childish, really. And then she's taken advantage of. So we end the film and are we meant to like these people? I'm, I'm assuming not. We're not meant to think they're cool or anything like... But we're not. No. And it's this childlike character... Um, that's been taken advantage of at the end. Yeah. And she's made into the premier slut of Manchester Prep. Yeah. What horrible film, full of horrible people doing horrible things, and the only two slightly likeable people throughout the film, which are meant to be the heart of the film, you know, is the relationship we're rooting for. Now, in the end... They're assholes too. Yeah, there's not one local character there's in the not. film. Everybody's horrible. Yeah, even everyone's even, horrible to each other. Yeah, yeah. Even Cherie is basically a psychopath. The film's insulting to different cultures. Yeah, it doesn't know how to write female characters. Has absolutely no idea. Doesn't know how. They're s- either stupid or sluts. Yeah, you know. Doesn't know how to speak like normal human beings. No, they don't know how to speak like normal human beings. Everything is about how much money you have or how much of a loser you you are. Mm. You know, and in the end, the the bad guy wins. Yeah, I mean, they're going to win either way because everyone was a fucking bad guy. It's, yeah, it's it's dog shit. And, you know, I haven't even had as much to say this episode because there's not much to say about it. It's boring, Mm. it's offensive, it's just fucking shit. It is. It was a 2 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, I, I gave it a 2 out and of 10 And the 2 well. is being generous just for the camp nature of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Amy Adams wears some great outfits. She does. Though. It's a shame she doesn't wear any great acting skills. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. She's she definitely went on to bigger and better. Yeah. So that is Cruel Intentions 2. Uh, there is a Cruel Intentions 3, and it's going to be a while, I think, before I can put myself through that. Yeah, I've never watched it. Next week, we have a request episode, and we will be talking about British 90s horror flick Funny Man. Um, we watched a trailer for it earlier, and it looks absolutely batshit crazy. I'm so excited to check that one out. Uh, yeah, it looks like a weird one. Yeah, yeah, it looks exactly like our type of thing. In the meantime, uh, if you're on social media, we're Horrorcourt Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcourt Trash on Twitter. Let us know your favourite Cruel Intentions film. Um, let us know the third film is as bad as the second, so we don't have to go through it ourselves. Um, and if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, it's uh, rate, review, and subscribe. 
Like and follow on everything else. I'm Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruz92 on Twitter, and DadatGaz92 on Letterboxd. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. <laughs>